Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning out there, my radio friends. I let tune it in. Radio Land, whether you're tuning in via the internet or you're you're dialing in, if you're in the chat room or you're on your mobile device, want to wish you a happy, happy Saturday, June the fifteenth, and an early happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Thank you for all you do. And again, to our listeners, thank you for joining us here this morning. I love being here with you on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. And if you know somebody, they're not doing something, tell them, jump on over to Off the Shelf right now, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, every Saturday. For those of you who've been with us for going on 10 years now, I have to thank you every, every week. It's hard to believe it's been almost 10 years especially when I think about how the show came about. And then for you to be here with us for 10 years, I really, really, really and sincerely appreciate you. For those it's your first time listening to Off the Shelf, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney. And as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. This is something that will sound like a mantra after a while, but i got to say it again. Thank you for your support, and I encourage you, don't let another day pass before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. You're going to get mystery and romance, high chase scenes, friendship, I mean the friendships and the love story in this book is going to stay with you. For Father's Day, it's actually a complicated father-son relationship in Love Pour Over Me. But it's one when you get to the end of it and you see how these two men change, I think it would impact you for for years and years to come. If you know a father and a son, whether they have a, a complicated or a struggle to understand each other, get them a copy of Love Pour Over Me. Get them a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And you can get a copy of Love Pour Over Me at any online or offline retailer. Uh, Google Books carries it, iTunes carries it, Amazon, Walmart, bookstores on and offline. Just If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So go go jump over and get your copy of Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet our special off-the-shelf guest. And our guest today is Couture Israel. And Couture is an author and a teacher. She has a bachelor's degree in speech communication and a master's in secondary English. She's also a workshop facilitator, and her debut novel is titled Cricket Promises. Don't you love that title? Cricket Promises. And we're so excited to explore more about Cricket Promises with you, our off-the-shelf listeners, during today's uh, to, during today's show, as well as learn more about this dynamic woman and author. But before that, I want to give you Katura's website, which is www.katura.katuraisrael.com, and it's K-E-T-U-R-A-H-I-S-R-A-E-L.com. And again, that's K E T. U R A H I S R A E L dot com. Israel spelled just like the um like the country. So please go and check her out. You can actually hop over to Katuriasrael dot com while we interview her so you can learn more about her, read her book excerpts, find out more about her background, even as, even as you listen to her on her off the shelf interview this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf Couture. Thank you for having me. Good morning. It's a pleasure having you here with us. I want to begin by asking you, where did you grow up, and how did your childhood experiences influence you to become a writer? Well, I grew I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and actually, when I was in the, I was actually born at, at Grady, and we lived in the city until I was maybe in the fourth or fifth grade, and then we moved out to Latonia. And I spent the rest of my time there. And in regards to writing, I've, I don't know, I've written ever since I can possibly remember. It was my way of escape to actually go and write. My mom said I wrote my my first poem maybe when I was in the, the first or second grade. Oh, okay. And I've been, I've been writing for, for that long. I was going to ask you, what did you start out writing? Was it poems, songs, short stories? And so many people who come on off the shelf, a lot, not all, 
they started when they were very, very young, and then later they just evolved into them writing and publishing a book. And some didn't. It just came in a different way. Some people, their friends, uh, like a dare, I dare you to enter that writing contest, and that's how they got started. So everybody's beginnings are are, are different. But when you first started out, you said your mom said your first. You wrote your first poem in the first or second grade. What did you enjoy writing the most, though, when you early in your writing career? Was it mainly you writing a lot of poems or songs, or did you dabble in short stories more? I just I, I wrote I wrote more poetry when I was younger, and it's, it's funny because I don't really write any poetry now. But back then, when I first started writing, it was it was easier for me to just put words together that I felt rhymed or mm-hmm. trying to find a way to describe things that brought happiness to me. So I remember writing poems about ice cream. I love ice cream and and, <laughs> and the sun and water. Just, you know, anything that I could think about that made me smile, I wanted to write a poem about it. And okay. then as I, as I moved into um high school I started writing poetry about different things that were mm-hmm. that were more complex about um my body image about uh the way uh, we we treated each other at school those type of things my relationship with my mom my relationship with my dad my sister started writing poems about those things and okay. then when I when I graduated high school and went to college that's when I started writing more short stories Ah, okay. And, and and was there a reason for that? And then I wanted to ask you next, are you the only writer in your family? I am the only writer in my family. I, I try to get others. And, no, I, you know what, I stand corrected. My my youngest sister, she writes poetry. She oh, doesn't. Okay. Uh, she doesn't write it. She doesn't write it as as often as I. As, she doesn't write as often as I do currently, because she's uh, she's at school in SCAD and she's all into her design work. But uh, she's home for the summer, so I'm assuming that she'll pick her her pad and and pen back up. And in okay. regards to me beginning to write short stories when I was in college, it grew from. Uh, my interest in one of my professors who would give mm-hmm. us these assignments all the time. Mm-hmm. And from those assignments, I just was so excited about whatever it was I had to write about that I would typically turn them into short stories. Oh, interesting. It's it's interesting hearing how your writing has evolved. And I was actually even thinking about myself when I was listening to you and how when you're in certain stages, you might think they're going to last, like you think, oh, I'll be writing poems forever. But how you your writing has evolved, it was interesting in hearing you share that. Now, this is posted at your website, which, again, for our listeners, is katuraisrael.com. This is posted at your website. First she fills it, then she writes. What do mm-hmm. you do to connect with your feelings so you can write a great story without waiting for the music to hit? Well, I, I must say that I'm I'm pretty much always connected with my feelings, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's something that um, I I I deal with uh, quite regularly. And I I whatever whatever it is that that I'm feeling in a particular moment, I'll write it down or I even will record it and then go back and and write it. I used to wait until I felt inspired to write something, but now I'm finding that I'm inspired just within the practice itself. So if I can ah. sit down and write every day, then inspiration comes through me taking wow. the time to sit down and make myself write. And it took me a long time to to realize that, that inspiration could be fine through the practice itself. Wow. I'm so glad you shared that because there, you know, I know you've probably heard of writer's block where people feel very frustrated. They want to write, but they just, nothing will come have you ever dealt with that? Uh, and can you give an off-the-shelf listeners who might be dealing with that, struggling with that? I know it's probably painful for a creative artist if you've dealt with it. How did you move beyond that? And what made you, Couture, finally understand it's it's actually the writing itself that brings the inspiration? Well, I, I've, I've dealt with writers 
blog for a very long time. That's why it took me so long to even complete Cricket Promises in the way that that I did because I dealt with the writer's blog. And it was really heartbreaking for me because I had this story inside of me. I felt the story, but for some reason I just could not get the words on paper. I never felt inspired enough. And then as as a teacher, I was so drained so so many days that I could not find the energy to sit with my with my pen and my paper or to type on the computer to write the story. So I experienced this writer's block for years and years and years. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, actually, who's a, a published writer, she writes every single day. She does not skip a day of writing. And mm-hmm. she asked, she would ask me every day, have you written today? Have you written today? And I'll be like, no, I haven't written. And then she started saying, well, why don't you get up and write with me at this particular time? And when I started mm-hmm. doing that, I realized that I was inspired just by that particular practice of getting up every day and writing that these amazing pieces were coming just from me getting up and doing the work. And it made sense wow. to me. It's just like anything else in our life. We have to we, we have to work at it. We have to actually do something to allow something else to happen. It makes sense. So you, now you, that I understand the, it. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead and finish finish your thought. No, I'm finished. I'm okay. Thank you. No, the way way you're putting that I think could be very beneficial to people who struggle with, it might not just be writer's block, but just, and I've heard people really almost even get angry with themselves. They have a hard time starting things, and some people have a hard time finishing things. They're always starting stuff, but they, they just quit in the middle of it. But some people really struggle, and it's painful. That And thank goodness for your friend who said, Let's do it together. Let's, although we 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 have to rely on ourselves, but just let's do it together. That was very helpful. Uh, and you you found that just simply writing, because some writers will say they critique their work too much. I have a friend who tells me she still does that, and it takes forever to finish a paragraph. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everything you're writing. That's good that you had your friend come through, and I agree with you, and that's something you learn to. Maybe a long way. You feel inspired as you're actually doing the writing, not waiting to mm-hmm. feel inspired and then say, "Oh, now I'll write." You know that, mm-hmm. that. I'm I'm so grateful that you shared that with our listeners. Now, what is a cricket promise? When I was doing research for this interview, I'm like, "Cricket promise? I never heard of that before." What is a cricket promise? Where did that term come from? Uh, I'm, that that term came from me. Uh, okay. And it was, yeah, it was, it, it was, it's one of my, my creative pieces that that just that just came up within me, and that's what I named their their promises. The the two uh, young ladies in the story, Eve and Rachel, instead of you know, it's like instead of a pinky swear or whatnot, it's a cricket promise. But on a on a deeper level than that, it's this. It's this belief that I have that these secrets that we that we keep and hold so often end up being more damaging to us than they are. Um, I can't I can't find my words right now, but they they actually cause more harm than they do good. And there's a way that if you're keeping these secrets and all these things inside you for so long, that they can actually create chaos inside you and hop around and and create all these thoughts in your head when when you really need to do is to be able to release them in some sort of healthy way. And I was actually laying down one day and I was thinking about my novel and and I was listening to the crickets outside and they were mm-hmm. driving me crazy. They were driving I mean it, they were so loud. <laughs> mhm. They were so loud, and I just wanted the crickets to stop, to stop making so much noise. And I was like, I got it, and and that's, and that's what it is: is cricket promises, and these and these promises that we keep that we don't necessarily need to keep, and the noise that they make, and the and the problems mm. that they create for ourselves. Wow! And so that's where cricket promises came from. Wow. See, this is why I love off-the-shelf interviews. When I listen to the guests give more backstory, the 
story becomes even that more intriguing. I was thinking to myself, is she from Louisiana originally? That sounds like some New Orleans or Louisiana. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I said, that's something way down south a term. I want to hear what she has to say. <laughs> I thought it was something yeah. that been passed down for hundreds of years. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Now, and I feel good about it. I love it. I feel good about it. I love it. <laughs> you started the term. You might start hearing it. More people seeing it. More people seeing it. Pretty now, probably. Eve, yes, you talked about Eve and Rachel. Eve, is she like the main, main character? And what is she like? Can you describe Eve for our off-the-shelf listeners? Okay, yes. Eve is the main character of Cricket Promises. And... Eve is a very she's a she's a sweet girl, but Eve is also very conflicted, uh, very naive in some ways. And what her main struggle, I feel, is that Eve is trying to understand what love means, what it feels like, what it looks like, and in regards to. How does how do I identify my place in this world as a loving being? As she watches her parents interact, is that love? Does does that does that look like love? Does that feel like love? The way she interacts with her parents, the way she interacts with her sibling, with her best friend Rachel, just how she's interacting in the world in general. And it's really about Eve learning to to love herself, but before she's able to get to a place to love herself, she's trying to figure out what exactly love is. And that's pretty much Eve and she and she gets in she gets into all types of situations because of this this lack of understanding of what it means to to love herself and for others to love her. Now, how does e how old are Eve and Rachel in, in the, at the start of the book? Uh, Eve and Rachel are thirteen and fourteen years of age. And oh, okay. Yes, they're 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 they're. They're young, but and they're they're obviously Eve, at the age when you go through a lot of changes. Correct, and that's why I I I concentrated on that particular age group because not only did I teach that age group, but I do, but I I, I realize that so many changes, so many things happen mm-hmm. when the young girls and young boys are in specifically the eighth grade and they're in between, mm-hmm. you know, still being still being their, their parents' child and they're feeling like yeah. they're adults and so many things happen and I feel that uh as adults so many things happen to us at that time frame that we spend our adulthood trying to work through and process it. Oh. So oh, that's why I, I concentrated on that particular age so that it could be a conversation for adult women and specifically adult women who have children who are around that age. Yes. Now, how is it possible, Katura, for Eve to keep secrets from herself? When you when we say things like this, how do you, and I, I mean from uh, having studied psychology a while, I, I I know, but for our listeners, how is it possible for her to keep secrets from herself? How is she able to hide truths from herself? That's a good question. I I think that's a I think the the hiding comes into comes in with just not really being self aware or choosing mm-hmm. not to look at certain things and that even even if you do you do see something but you're not really um able to acknowledge it or articulate what you're feeling and what you're thinking, that that can become a secret for you. And I and also if you're if you if you feel if you feel that you don't necessarily feel safe in and, and some some things some things that become secrets they don't necessarily need to be a secret. But I don't feel safe in sharing this information with anyone. Or I don't know mm. who to share this information with and because I don't feel safe to do that, it becomes it becomes my own secret. Uh, and then eventually the, the, just the complexity of the mind, you can even start to believe it didn't even happen. Correct. <laughs> Correct. You can, like you can even take like it. That didn't happen. Yes. But you know what? That didn't, that, that didn't 
the subconscious mind knows it. It will show up in dreams or you'll feel just mm-hmm. not comfortable. And so, so there's a part of the mind that it's not a secret. And it's so odd that you said that. There's another guest coming on off the shelf over the next few weeks for our listeners. And that's something she talks about, how things happen when we're kids and we spend almost the rest of our adult life just trying to work through it. And, and yeah. that's a that's a really big listening, big tip to parents. The least you can get, the least things you leave your kids with to work through, the better the adult years can be, and they can really go forward instead of staying in the past trying to work through some some issues. Now, why doesn't Eve? She's a, we're talking about a thirteen year, fourteen year old girl who just about anybody would say, what a wonderful, wonderful, adorable person. Why doesn't she want to embrace herself fully? Without giving the story away, why did she struggle with this? Well, I, I, she, she, she struggles with it because I don't feel like she, she sees a good, she sees a good representation of herself, mm. and 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 with that meaning that you know she she looks, she looks at her mom. She has this relationship with her mom, but she doesn't see herself in her mom. She doesn't. You know, my mom. I don't look like her. I don't. I don't act like her. But my mom is beautiful. So if I don't look or act like my mom, and my mom is beautiful, then what does that make me? And then when I look at my dad, my dad, I look like him, and I act like him. And I don't necessarily think he's the nicest person. I don't think, you know, the the best things about him. So if I'm more like him and less like my mom, then what does that make me? And not and Mm. not to say and and not to say that she doesn't she doesn't love her her dad, but I just think, you know, growing up and looking for for ways to to feel good about yourself. And then wanting to look out in the world and see and and feel that you're okay and that you're accepted and not necessarily feeling that 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 becomes a problem for a lot of the young girls. Mhm. I think it's wonderful this wonderful story you have written, and I hope so many people in schools pick it up and then read it and share it for kids who might be going through things and they just keep being things silent about it. Can you tell us, we told us about Rachel, can you, and can you give us a little background on her and introduce our listeners to some of the other minor characters in Cricket Promises? Okay, yes, Rachel is Eve's best friend in Cricket Promises, and Rachel is, once again, someone that Eve sees as all of these things beautiful and lovely and lovely mm. impressions that she's not, you know. And so Eve's attention and and her, her love and just everything that she has inside of her that she really should be giving to herself, she gives that to, to Rachel. And Rachel wow. doesn't necessarily, without giving away the story, uh, Rachel doesn't necessarily take care of what Eve gives her as much as Eve would like mm. her to. Uh, and and even in that re- in that relationship dynamic, Eve is trying to understand her feelings for Rachel. Like, what what does this mean? How do I feel? She's very Eve is very confused. She just doesn't understand her her feelings in regards to anyone. And there's uh, another character, uh, Eve's boyfriend, Angel, in the story, mm-hmm. whom Eve, again, with the name Angel, and and is in love with him, and he's he's all of these things. He's given her this attention, and and she finds that that may not necessarily be what love is either. And then uh, Rachel, um, Eve's mother and father, are very prominent in the story. And then her youngest sister, her younger sister, Genesis, who comes in and out of the story, who's silent but is, is very loud in her silence. And and so Eve's parents are married? Yes, they're married. Okay. Eve's parents are married, and she lives in the house with both of them. Okay. What what method did you use to develop uh, the characters for cricket promises, did you do outline? Do you do a character sketch? How did you go about developing the characters in the book? Well, for well, for 
Eve, well, for Eve's character, I did do a character sketch. I did a character sketch for Rachel as well. Her parents and and her sister and Angel, they all developed as I was writing the story, writing writing Eve's story. So I knew exactly, you know, what what Eve's heartache was, where where Rachel was coming at from, and it, and Rachel needs to come from a certain place so that so that Eve could live her story out. And then as I started writing the story, the rest of the characters, their their place in the story just developed on its own. Yeah, I, I hear that happen. <laughs> and some people just yeah, sit down just, and start writing a story. I've heard pros and cons to that. I've tried to do the uh, the outline, and it felt too too stilted to me. Uh, but I'm yeah. told if you do do an outline, it's not just for characters, but the whole story. It can help you keep, make sure the story's on track, and you have enough tension and et cetera, et cetera, in the story. I usually just like to sit down and write. It's interesting to hear you say you you developed, you worked to develop Eve and Rachel, the two main characters, and the others just sort of developed. As you wrote this story, correct. And, uh, then uh, I, and I will have to say that Eve and and Rachel they they ended up going in directions that I wasn't expecting for them to go. So I, I you know, I will say that that even though I did develop a sketch for them, that I was not attached to that sketch at all because the t- the story, like everyone says, it takes on a life of its own, and the characters the determine what they want to say and what they want to do. And if you're being authentic to your characters. You know, it's gonna, it's going to change. There's no way you can be attached to it. That is so funny. <laughs> That's so true. But you're the art. It's, it's odd as an artist or a painter or a, somebody writes music or that you, you to tell somebody, yes, I'm creating it, but I don't have as much control over it as you think I do. And yeah. it's not conscious. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it is the weirdest thing. Now, are any any of the scenes or characters you're a teacher? You also yourself were a young girl. Are any of the scenes or characters in the book based on your real life experiences or people you know? Well, some of well, some of the experiences and, I, and my answer was going to be of course like you know I'm a writer I'm writing everything you know <laughs> like <laughs> I'm paying attention and <laughs> writing everything so of course I've I've experienced some things that have taken place in cricket promises but I've also as a as a teacher have seen these different pieces of these of these young girls and these young boys and their relationship dynamics with their parents and so forth and so I've picked up a lot of different pieces from 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 that so mm-hmm. it 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 ends up being like it's a very real story but at the same time it's fiction so it's not it's not particularly that every single thing that happened to Eve happened to me but it could be mm-hmm. that it happened to me my sister and my best friend and I wrapped them all in one and created Eve Okay. Where, so, were, where were the where were the hardest parts of writing Cricket Promises? Whew, the hardest parts. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I would I would say some of the the scenes between Eve and her father were difficult for me. Oh, uh, okay. And um, wanting. You know, because it's not necessarily the healthiest relationship. Mm-hmm. And I actually uh, have a good relationship with, with my father as an adult, and I love him so much. And as I was writing this, you know, because people automatically assume, you know, when you're a writer that you're writing your story anyway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of a lot of things that I had to deal with in, in Cricket Promises in order because I realized as I was writing it that I was writing as a way to heal myself. I, I did realize that. And not only was I writing as a way to heal myself, I was writing as a way to give voice to so many young girls that I've that I've mentored or taught. I wanted to give them a voice and to give myself a voice as well in a way that I wasn't able to help them as a teacher. And so while wow. I was writing some of the, the stories like I didn't I in, in regards to my my dad in particular, I didn't want him to read the story and be like, Is she writing about me? Was this me? You know, I didn't want mm-hmm. that. 
but mm-hmm. I remember uh, reading long time ago that if you're going to write, you have to you have to emerge yourself completely in the story and right. go places that you may not necessarily be comfortable with, but you have to allow yourself to go there. Wow, so that, that was. That was a little difficult for me. And then also um, the other part about Cricket Promises that was um, difficult for me uh, was that when I, I chose, and I am working on a part two, and, I'm, and I think I'm changing it up a little bit, mm-hmm. but in part, in Cricket Promises, I chose to write exactly how Eve talks in some of the chapters. Okay. So, you know, she's... She has her, you know, her words are cut off and so forth. And then that's hard for me as an English teacher to write that way. Mm-hmm. So that was difficult. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we talk like that. I hear the kids talk like that. But for me to write like that and right. I'm an English teacher was very right. difficult. And then there, and then Eve tells her story in three different perspectives. So she tells her story through her young adult voice. She tells it through her journal writing, which you can tell she she's using writing as a way to express herself. And then there's mm-hmm. another perspective, which is what I call her inner demon. And it's a very mature voice. And unless you're engrossed in the story, you may miss this shift. And that was difficult to write in those three different ways, even though it was from the same perspective of Eve. Wow. Now, what parts of the book were a picket promises uh, couture was so easy that it just flowed, and you could you found yourself if you had to you could have just wrote for hours. What parts were just came to you incredibly easy to create? I had a relationship between Eve and her mom, and her mom was uh, very okay. easy to write those scenes, even though. Mm-hmm. They weren't always the best scenes. Just that writing that character and their interaction was easy for me. And then writing uh, Eve's love for Angel and Eve's love for Rachel was—I mean, piece of cake. Yeah, me. I would. I see. I was guessing Rachel, <laughs> Rachel and Eve, yeah. their, their friendship. There's always a part. You know, it seems like a, a story that you struggle and you don't want to do it. And sometimes you don't as a writer. You just say, I'm, I can't deal with this. And there's parts that just flow. You can just go mm-hmm. on forever. <laughs> yes, and make now, you what, smile. And, yeah. Yes. Yes. What have we Because I know been, when I was writing Cricket Promises, oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You oh, were when, when you were writing. Okay. When I was writing Cricket Promises, there 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 were times as I was writing that I was laughing out loud. Um, you know, I was smiling, I was crying, I was doing all of these things while I mm-hmm. was actually writing the story. And so one of the, the best compliments that I've received is that when I was reading Cricket Promises, I laughed, I cried, I you know, I smiled. All of these these things, these emotions that I was feeling as I was writing for a reader to to feel those emotions too is is a really good compliment for me as a writer. And, and I, I I don't know if you found this what I feel not all the time, but what I feel about a story, especially if I think oh, this scene really isn't going to work or whatever, it almost always come back that readers say the same thing. That said, I wanted to ask you what have readers been saying? You share one one comment with us, but what have readers been saying? About cricket promises, uh, I've heard I've heard that such things as you, as you wrote my story. I've heard uh, I really want my daughter to read this. I think that she and I need to have some conversations about things. Wow! I've heard I've heard that cricket promises reads like a movie. I could definitely see this on the on the television screen. Um, I've 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 read I've also I've also heard reviews in regards to the three different perspectives that Cricket Promises is told in. Some people mm-hmm. love it. They they love the different perspectives and some people don't necessarily care for it as much. They wish mm-hmm. that I told the story in one perspective versus all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in in general I've found that things that people love about Cricket Promises, there are also some things that, that readers may not necessarily care for Cricket Promises as well. And so oh. my reviews, 
have been have been very balanced in that way. And okay. all and majority of everyone who had who has read Cricket Promises, they can't wait for part two. They okay. they love they 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 want to see uh certain things and have put in special requests since they know that there's a, a part two coming. Special mm-hmm. requests that they want to see happen in part two. I can't guarantee that I'll write those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's interesting to hear the special request. Mm-hmm. But overall I've I've overall I've heard that it's a it's a beautiful story that has a real message. And that oh, is not is not a story to just go to the beach and feel like you're going to escape. And mm-hmm. and it's a story that that is real with a message and that if you receive the message that it can it can be used in a very powerful way. Now one reader had this to say about cricket promises for our off the shelf listeners. They said this book causes the reader to consider the wounds that we inflict on ourselves and the wounds that we allow others to inflict upon us. It makes you want to read more. You will become invested in these characters. Was it your intent to have the readers examine wounds they cause themselves, not that somebody else caused, including wounds that they might inflict subconsciously, maybe not to their conscious awareness. If not, what did you want readers to gain from reading Cricket Promise? Oh, oh yes, most 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 definitely, it was a it's it's a story for us to to look at ourselves as because in, in, initially, I was writing the the story for adult women could even if their story did not look exactly like Eve, that they could reconnect with that particular time frame or the little girl inside of themselves and have the opportunity to to grow and heal themselves by reconnecting with that. Because one of the things that I realized as a mentor and in teaching the, the young girls is that in order for me to help them, in order for them to trust me, that I had to be able to get out of, outside of my adult mind and, and my adult experiences and go back to that time frame so that I could talk to them from that particular place. And as I was doing that as a mentor, then I thought, well, you know, as an adult then, I have to be able to reconnect with that young girl inside of me so that I can I can learn to heal myself and to heal her and to make her feel good and, and comfort her. And then that's when my whole concept of uh, we have to mother ourselves came up. And so as I'm writing this this story, my, I'm holding this belief that as an adult woman, I have to mother the little girl inside of me. Wow. And from there, I hope that if even even if adult women couldn't connect, hopefully they would. But even if they mm-hmm. if they weren't able to connect, that they would be able to offer the story as a discussion piece with the young girls, so that they can be conscious and aware of what not only others are doing to them, but what they're allowing to happen to them, and to look at that and be more conscious at a younger age versus waiting to their adults. Yeah, because then by then we've been doing things so long and making excuses and rationalizing that it's become a habit, and then a habit is harder to break because then we start feeling unsafe when we walk away from our habits. And just I, I think yes. it's just wonderful what you have done. And then I also think when you said not only what others are doing, but what you're letting them do. You know, I, I read yes. this quote years ago that we teach others how to treat us. And so you mean, when you look at how you're being treated, that's what you're teaching people how to treat you that way, you're what you're tolerating, you're not speaking up. This you you teach people how to treat you a certain way. I want to know. I know you don't want to get this story away, but can you give us a theme and the ages that Rachel and Eve make around just one of these promises that they make? Just one, a theme around it, and how old they were when they made this first this first promise. <laughs> so you want me to tell you one of their cricket promises? No, 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 no. Tell me one. Just a, you don't have to tell the promise. You can say uh, they made a promise around jobs, what they would do when they grew up as far as work, or they made a promise around where they would live, that they would never move away from each other or something like that. 
Okay. They made a promise around their private relationship that they share amongst each other. Oh. Okay. So that's one of the cricket promises, and they keep mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Yep. Okay. That's okay. their. That's their. They, Rachel, Rachel, and and Eve, uh, tend to cricket promise on everything, and they're and they're oh. typically these 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 things that they don't want their parents to know, or they don't want to be judged by. And, and they, that, they. Go ahead. No, I'm finished. Go ahead. They do they really, really think they gotta keep these promises for the rest of their life? Do they really believe yes. that? Yes. Yes, wow. they really do feel that they need to keep these these promises for the rest of their life. But then there's wow. also this this thing that what happens when one of the one of the people does not keep the promise. Wow. Oh my goodness. Now, because now you it, take it, on... they talk about in the story, uh, Rachel, uh, Eve, Rachel talks about in the story how she came up with this cricket promise because she read somewhere that you know if you if you break the cricket promise then you'll die. Wow, wow, oh my goodness, you're interesting. So yes, yeah. again and when I and, when... And, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead and finish. No. I was just I was just saying it's just it's interesting how like they make they make this is it, the concept is if you break the cricket promise then you'll die. And in the story, even though we may or may not connect it or we miss that, but Eve actually does try to kill herself. Yeah, I, I isn't it, I was giving you led into my next question. I was getting ready to ask you you take on such heady topics. Uh, in, yeah. in cricket promises like the suicide attempt, and do you see yourself, Katura, as an author who will always tackle heady topics in her books? I have been asking myself that same question. I I don't have the answer for that. I know that right now my my goal is to finish part two of Cricket Promises. But mm-hmm. I also, and, and, and with that, of course, is going to still deal with some of these issues that need to be resolved. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the next one that's in front of me. I'm not sure what will come after that. But then I've also been paying attention to the fact that I teach workshops on teaching women how to use writing as a way to heal themselves and how to uh, heal themselves through their stories. And because I teach those workshops, a lot of the stories that that come up in the workshops are very are very heavy stories, and so even even with that, I, I wonder just from teaching and and facilitating the type of work that I do, if I would consistently write around the same things. I, I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see how I develop as a writer, and mm-hmm. and where and where I decide to go after I leave Eve. This is a story that you could make into a series, and I'm sure you see that. You started them so young, and this is a story that the character can really, the reader can really get to know the characters because because you started them so young. I can see if you took them into the 40s or 50s, people would really feel like they knew those women because they could see the evolution of how they got to be where they are. Cricket promises. Now I want to ask you next, does writing come naturally to you? You said you're an English teacher and I can, in my mind and I could be totally off, I could just see you editing, editing, editing as you write. But does it writing come naturally to you or did you take like professional writing courses before you sat down to write Cricket Promises? Writing comes naturally for me. I um I I love it. I I use words. I talk a lot and and I write a lot. I mean the, it just comes naturally for me. I have a, uh I did try taking some professional courses at one point and I was bored in the classes. I found mm. that there was just too much structure around it. I was extremely bored. And I do feel that I I can develop more as a writer and I feel that I will continue to develop more as a writer but not necessarily in such a structured way. Again, I feel that 
because it becomes natural for me, it's, it's a practice thing. Like it's something that I have to consistently do and mm. and, and allow to come come from me. And some of my uh, most, I, I feel like I just feel so proud about some of these pieces. Some of these pieces that I've written have been this this space where I just wasn't even aware that I was in my body, but my fingers were moving. And wow. these words came out of me. And, and at that time, it wasn't anything that I had been taught. I wasn't following any type of rules or anything. The words were just coming from me. And I and those have been pieces that have not had to be edited at all. Mm, so I hope, and I've experienced that. It is something. It is it's something amazing. And I've experienced that. And for a while, I, after I experienced that, I didn't write for a while because I felt like, oh, nothing I write is going to be good unless I feel that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, like I, that was just amazing to, to, to have this experience where when I came to, what I say is when, when I came to and I had, like, pages and pages, I was like, when did I write that? And then I read it and I loved it. I just would love to have those experiences more often. But, you know, they may not come. <laughs> like you said, the process brings the inspiration. Sometimes when yes. you write, you feel good, so good just having written, even if that doesn't happen. And then I can understand when it does. It's like some this special thing that is, is happening. Now, what process, Couture, for our listeners who are, like, listen, listening to, they, they love, hearing about cricket promises and again I want to give your website out. It's it's um Couture Israel for our off the shelf listeners and that's K E T U R A H I S R A E L dot com. Couture Israel dot com. She's the author of Cricket Promises, the book that we have been discussing t- today. I wanted to ask you for our listeners who are saying, wow, your book sounds interesting, she's an English teacher, you know, she might have some type of an advantage there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, can you tell us, shed some light on what the process was like for you that could offer some tips to our listeners who themselves want to be in your shoes? What's the process you followed to get your book published? Okay. Uh, well, I actually, well, one thing I, I do want to say first before I, I say the, the, the process I went through to get published is that I I just look at a writer as being someone who actually writes. So, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you're writing, you're you're a writer to me. So I want to make mm-hmm. sure that that's clear. So you don't have to be an English teacher. You can... You can, you know, work in the office all day and and not necessarily consider yourself to be a writer, but as soon as you sit down and make the time to write, then you're a writer. Mm-hmm. And okay. when it comes to, I just want to make sure that's clear, and that's what, I, you know, I make <laughs> people feel safe about that. Yes. You know, because, well, people get stuck and won't write because yeah. they'll, they'll say, oh, well, I'm not a writer and I can't write. Yes. But you are yeah. a writer. Just write. Mm-hmm. We're writers. I'm so glad you, I'm glad sure you shared clear. that. Yes, let's make sure that's clear. Okay, and then in regards to, I decided to to self-publish Cricket Promises, and I actually went through a, a company called Book Logics to self-publish my Cricket Promises. And they're essentially, a, they have like a a la carte type business where you can go to them, and they, to me they act pretty much like a traditional publisher, but they're not. They're they're a self-publisher. So I have an agent, um, a project manager, all of wow. those things, depending mm-hmm. upon what, yes, depending upon what I'm asking for in regards to my particular project. So if What's I want the name of the company to, again? They're, they're called BookLogics. Oh, BookLogics, okay. B-O-O-K-L-O-G-I-X, BookLogics.com. Okay. And they pretty much offer... Anything and everything that you can think about in regards to the publishing world, and it's just about what you want them and how involved you want them to be in your particular process, and then you'll and then you pay for that. Okay. And so my okay. process, when I got to the point of uh, getting to a point, because it was hard for me to determine whether or not I wanted to end Cricket Promises where I ended it. And that's the thing about my my English teacher writing brain told me that I needed to continue writing Cricket Promise, 
cricket promises and not end it where I did, but my spirit mm-hmm. told me it needed to end where it was. So once wow. I felt like, yeah, it was two different two different processes. It took me a while to, to make peace with the fact that my spirit was saying, no, this is it, you stop right here. And my mm. mind was saying, no, you need to keep writing, you need to finish it all in one book. You know, it was just two different voices. So once I was at peace and decided, okay, this is it for now, then I started researching the different ways that I could self-publish my book. And then I went with BookLogic as a first-time self-publisher because they were so hands-on. I, I liked the fact that I was able to have a project manager. You know, years ago, it's interesting what you share, and I thank you for that. And I thank you for the part about you don't have to be a school teacher or anything. You just sit down and write. But um, years ago, I think when self-publishing came out, and it's really taken – I mean, they're mainstream publishers that have now stepped into that water. But um, you just got your book printed. You just got your book printed and a cover done, and that was it. But it seems like now the companies are doing offering more of the same type of services that a mainstream publisher historically offered when you self-publish, which which could be good for an author, particularly if they offer some effective marketing tips, strategies, tools that you can use, whether it's a system they give you access to to really start marketing that you wouldn't have if you didn't work with them. Those are the type of things I think that can make these self-publishing companies start to stand out. Now, has the actual process of publishing and selling a novel been what you thought it would be like before you actually? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, this was this was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. I, I can't, I I cannot downplay that at all. This has been this has been a process in itself because you know once you once you self publish a, a book, then ultimately it's yours and your responsibility, and you have to. And the the authors who go with traditional publishers, they have to do a lot on their own as well. So you know, I'm not not taking anything away from them. They have to market. They have to do a lot mm-hmm. on their own. But in regards to uh, the the notoriety that comes with that with uh, having a traditional publisher versus a self-publisher, having to get your name out there, all of these different loops that you have to try to go through that you don't have to do as a traditional publisher, it's just something totally, I, it's, it's just hard trying to get to. I remember trying to get particular reviews, and a lot of the, the houses that do reviews, they don't necessarily review they don't necessarily work with the authors, period. So it doesn't matter if they're mm-hmm. traditional or self-publishing. They don't work with the authors. Well, then if you're a self-publishing author and you don't necessarily have anyone that's representing you, then they won't even let you in the door at all. Or they'll just say, "I'm not. we're not reviewing any self-published works at all. And I think a lot of that is because of the quality, the, the quality of some of the self-published books. Mm-hmm. But I think I've had an advantage in regards to the amount of work and time and effort and attention to detail that went into Cricket Promises that when I walk into a bookstore, they don't know that it's a self-published book right off the bat. I think that is so – I've heard people say that the book cover has to be professional. If they look at the cover and they say, oh, you know, it's not so much that it's self-published, it just doesn't look professional. And then they they think that the the, the readers are going to pick up that – you know, like think this isn't professional. It can cost themselves, so they don't want to go down that route. I've heard other people say what you just said, and I think it's important and bears repeating. If you whether you self-publish or not, when you go to a mainstream publisher, there's people there at the gate guarding that gate to make sure it's edited properly, the cover is good, no misspell words, no pages missing. When you self-publish, you have to take on more of that yourself. Although you can hire an editor, you have to take on more of that. Yourself, and if you can look professional, so nobody even knows it's self-published, then you have a better chance, I think, of starting to get yes. in through doors. Even if you have to knock longer on the door than somebody else might have to. Can you tell yes. us about, with just about six minutes left, can you tell us about okay. some of the workshops you facilitated? Uh, well, I used to a couple years ago. I facilitated a workshop called Reflection. And in reflection, I taught women how to use the process of journaling as a way to 
to mirror themselves and to offer healing to themselves. And we did this over a course of uh, several weeks where the women ended up through using their journal as their as their mirror and as a way of reflecting that they started off in one type of way, like looking at themselves in the mirror in one way, and by the end of the workshop, they had a totally different outlook and view of themselves. And that's what I taught a couple of years ago. Now I'm teaching, facilitating a workshop called The Art of Healing Through Storytelling, Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's a, it is a process of teaching women how to use writing as a tool to heal themselves, but what we do is we look at these these stories that we have and we give voice to these stories by looking at them with love and attention and intention. And as we look at these stories with love, attention, and intention, we find a way to rewrite them and recreate them and then share them. I think sharing our stories is very important. Even if you do not decide to self-publish or go with a traditional publisher, but to write them, create, recreate them, and then share them. I don't care if you go and share them with the trees. I mean, as long as this is coming out of you, allows mm-hmm. the healing to take place inside of you and offers it to others the opportunity to heal themselves. It just takes on a different energy. And so that's the workshop that I'm teaching now, and it's, it's going really well, and the women are leaving with what they say. They say I give them a blueprint to write their stories, and wow. that's what my goal is. I think you do mm-hmm. wonderful work. It's in that healing area, even through your writing. Now, how has working as a teacher helped you as a writer, just the process of this continuous learning, and how has that helped you as a writer? I I I think it, no, teaching helped me with my material the most. That's the only thing it hasn't. It helped me. It helped me with my material the most in regards to that connection that I'm able to make with the hum, with with humans. It's like the when we write stories, when we read stories, it's, it's that connection with the human experience in general. And so as a teacher, connecting with the human experience through reading and writing helps me in return with my writing. Okay. Now, how has... So it's not we only have a few, Okay. Okay. Go ahead. I, I, with just a few minutes left, how has writing Cricket Promises, and I love that title, how has writing Cricket Promises, how has that it changed your life? It changed my life because it has it has made more space for me inside. The the, mm. the story is out, so mm-hmm. I feel lighter than I did when I held the story inside. And wow. every time I'm able to have a conversation, like even today, every time I'm able to have a conversation about cricket promises and and the work that comes from that. I mm-hmm. I feel more empowered, and so in that way, I'm feeling better about couture just through writing my story and writing the stories of of the of the young girls that I worked with. That I feel empowered, and I feel that I have something now that I have offered to the world, regardless of if you take it or not. It came from me. It came from mm-hmm. out of me, and now it's in the world. And from there, I just feel like I'm a part of this process now, more so than I did before I wrote the story and shared it. Well, you have been such a delight. Can you let our off-the-shelf listeners know where they can get copies of Cricket Promises? Yes, you can pick up a copy uh, from Karis Books and More. I have to plug Karis Books and More in Atlanta, Georgia. Also, you can go to my website, www.coutureisrael.com. You can go on Barnes & Noble. You can go on Amazon.com. And, there, and it's actually BookLogic has a store, too, if anyone wants to check out BookLogic online. They have a store, and you can pick up Cricket Promises from there as well. And if you decide okay. to go with Book Lodges, they need to tell them that, you know, Couture Israel sent them that way. Okay. So just let Book Lodges know. Or Barnes yeah. & Noble. Who's the store in Atlanta again? Can you give us the name? Oh, Karis Books & More. It's off of Euclid Car- in Atlanta, Georgia. Karis, C-H-A-R-I-S, Books & More. Karis Books and More. So please go get a copy of Cricket Promises, and I'd love for you to read Love Love Pour Over Me as well. And Couture yes. is, again, K-E-T-U-R-A-H, 
Keturah Israel, Israel spelled just like the country, KeturahIsrael.com. You can go learn more about her at her website. Keturah, we thank you for being here with us. And, again, a happy early Father's Day to all the fathers yes. out there who are tuning in to Off the Shelf. Mm-hmm. Please tell everybody to come over to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. Every Saturday, 11 o'clock, we bring you fabulous guests like we did today when we introduced you to Couture Israel. And our guests are so open and candid. They share so many wonderful tips and advice. Uh, Couture talked about the writer's block and getting the story out there and not waiting for the muse to hit. And she's talked a little bit about the process of actually creating a book and developing characters. These are things that that, that if you went to a workshop, you'd have to pay a lot of money for, but our guests are so open and candid. They share so much advice and information for free. So please go get a copy of Cricket Promises. Support Couture. And as I always tell you, you are so incredible. You are awesome to our off-the-shelf listeners and our guests. You are absolutely amazing. Go out and create a wonderful day for yourself. Couture, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye.